Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Every Thursday morning, after a long night of Wednesday playoff action, just waiting for you in your podcast feeds as you wake up, it's Point of Contention. On the Athletic NBA Show as a part of the Athletic Podcast Network, it's myself, Zach Harper, teeing up the toughest topics and questions to Marcus Thompson and Ethan Sherwood-Strauss with Jade Hoy producing every Thursday. Subscribe to the Athletic NBA Show. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to give you some of the craziest and most hard-hitting theories and takes of playoff action possible. And you'll get point of contention right in your eardrums. In fact... If you don't like it, we'll have a point of contention for you right here on The Athletic. All right. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday on The Athletic Podcast Network. And it is another playoff edition of Hoops Adjacent on The Athletic MBA Show. David Aldridge here in D.C. Out in the Bay, Marcus Thompson, what is up, my man? Yo, hey, we just opened today. It is crazy the amount of non-masks in California. <laughs> I was about to go outside and kick it. I'm like, hold on, B. Hold <laughs> on. <laughs> Can I tell you, it was so weird going into a restaurant and not having and, and seeing people without masks on, realizing, well, I guess they don't have to. They don't have to if they don't want to, you know. And not trying to be the, the mask police, you know, but it was just, it took me a minute. It took me a minute. And it's, it's a co- jarring sight, man. Yeah, like we just been, we've been conditioned now. So now to see it just like in mass, like even when you watch the games now, you're like counting the number yeah. of masks. Like this, there's not enough mass in that arena. So to yeah. just go out, especially in Cali, right? Like we yep. in, in the Bay, like we, we've been pretty strong with the mass presence. So just to go out and see nobody has one on, which hopefully means, you know, a lot of people are vaccinated, but man, it's just jarring. I ran back in the house. I was like, yo, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> so I saw the, the numbers. It's like, uh, I think it's like 53% have gotten one shot and 44% of the country has been fully vaccinated as of today, including me. So I feel good about that. And Marcus, it's funny. The first game I went to, during the during the Wizards' very brief appearance in the playoffs, the first I did one of their games, and the first person I ran into was the fabulous Stephanie Reddy, who's with us today. Steph, hey. what is up? Driving up to Philly, appreciate you joining us from the car. <laughs> Absolutely, you know I'm always happy to be on with you guys, and that was such a treat, David, to see you at that game. <laughs> you were you were you were incognito that day. You were very very. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. My family calls it my disguise. Yeah. When I'm not wearing my my television makeup and I have a baseball cap on, I just go into a ball game. Absolutely. So you you've been on you were you were with that series with Philly. So you've been with Philly the whole time um, for the Turner games, including the the Atlanta series now. So I have to ask you, what the hell happened to Embiid the other night? What was that? Very interesting. Um, We were trying to figure that out last night and. I noticed when he comes out, sometimes he does, you know, they have that cool-off section that they sit in now because of COVID where they sit separately from the bench and then they sit on the bench. He 
he's over in that cool off section for a pretty long time. Um, but I noticed last night that he was lying down on the floor, right on the baseline side. Mm. And, you know, not odd because Embiid kind of does his own thing anyway. Um, but I did notice it. And then after I did the coach's interview between first and second quarter, he was gone. Hmm. And so I kind of looked out, you know, sometimes they go to the bathroom. You, you just never assume that it's an injury when you don't see a player on the bench, but right. you do observe it. Yeah. But then I noticed that Elton Brand was not in his seat. And oh, that is a not. giant flag. <laughs> yeah, right. right, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and I know from Philadelphia, especially because of my experience in the bubble, when I covered Philadelphia, unfortunately for them, they had quite a few injuries last year in the bubble. Remember Ben Simmons, Joel, and every single time a player got hurt, Elton Brand would go in the back. Yeah. Which I think is probably normal protocol for the GM. You know, yeah. you want to check yeah. on your player to make sure it's not a serious injury. But so that was also something that I observed. And then I noticed a member of the training staff came from the back and went directly to Doc Rivers behind the bench and whispered something in his ear. Which Jeez, you see everything, Steph. <laughs> man, like she got <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And then the final piece was the uh, member of the staff, of the athletic training staff, then went to the PR person for Philadelphia, which, you know, David, that's what they always do. They first tell the coach, you know, this player is having this situation medically. He may or may not return or we're doing this. You know, they give them the update so the coach knows he can or cannot sub him in later. Yeah. And then they tell PR because PR then has to release it. Yeah. So I'm observing all this and I'm telling my producer in the truck, like, hey, this is what's going on. I think we're going to have an update on MB. You know, let me just get what I can get. But it took forever. And so we decided to go on the air just with my observation and analysis of the situation based on my previous experiences. And we never did get an official update on what happened. He was for sure getting medical attention. I didn't get that much from people, but then he did come back and play in the game. So it, it is still a mystery. Um, he was not himself. Obviously he was over 12, I believe in the second half. And um, I don't, I don't know if he got to the free throw line or not. I think maybe twice he did. Yeah. But, you know, Embiid is among the league leaders in FTA. So it was he was definitely not himself in that second half. We're not still sure exactly what happened. He was he was not looking very peppy in the warm-up. Um, and with the small meniscus tear that he has, he is not officially listed as day-to-day, but they are monitoring him day-to-day. And so before the games, when they warm him up, that's when they make their final decision on whether he will play or not. So we were observing, even in the warm-up, he didn't look like he was 100% himself, just dragging a bit, kind of bent over, hunched over, grabbing his knees a little bit more than normal, but he played. But then when that happened in between first and second quarter, you know, that was the red flag was waving. So we were just, we were just watching everything. So I don't know. It's going to be very interesting, David, to see what happens, you know, game five in philly is he gonna play or what you know what was what really stood out to me and you know you've been with the sixers the whole time so i I want your take on this towards the end of the game when it was very clear and b didn't have it they still kept going to him right and they still kept feeding him and even the, the the last play uh you know he drove to the basket just felt like a little bit of okay you got tobias harris seth curry's rolling you know, you got maybe there's another option, but they kept feeding uh, Embiid. And I was wondering, 
were they taking Atlanta like, all right, eventually we could just Debo these dudes. Did they take them a little too light? Should they have tried another route? Because it feels like Atlanta is like not messing around. And they were hot and you felt it like, okay, this team is rolling. But it just kept feeling like Philly was like, ah, we'll stamp that out pretty soon here. Don't don't worry about it. I wonder if they're taking this team too lightly. You might be right. I mean, I don't think they're taking them overall too lightly. Certainly Doc Rivers is not. You know, Facts, I still right? yeah. enough time to know that he does not take them lightly. He he actually, he told me something pretty funny. I thought he was talking about um, Trey Young and how smart of a player he is and that people really underestimate his intellect because we see him with the, you know, the deep shots and the fantastic passes. But I think what we don't talk about enough is he is capable of doing all of these things athletically, but he's smart enough to know when and how to deliver those passes. He can create those shots for his teammates. It's not just creating for himself. And you saw that in that game last night when he had his his career high of 18 assists when they needed it. You know, he wasn't hot in the beginning. He was struggling. But instead of pouting or forcing all these long balls, what did he do? He creates shots for his teammates, but their exact shot. You know, like he knows exactly what shot John Collins sees on the run, transition dunks. You know, he knows exactly how to penetrate draw so that he can take it out to his open. I mean, I thought he was brilliant. So I don't think that Doc Rivers is sleeping on Atlanta. I do think that maybe they take for granted um, that Embiid can Debo people and that he's done it this entire year. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe, maybe he wasn't himself, but they hadn't caught up to that yet. You know, I don't know, but. I agree with you. I thought it was very interesting because they have other weapons, you know, and I think the issue too, that they, that Doc Rivers is going to have a serious dilemma with the Ben Simmons at the end of the game situation, because if Embiid is not himself and you're down to the wire, like you were in game four, are they going to start fouling Ben Simmons on purpose to put him to the free throw line? And if they do do that, then do you take him out? Yeah, you have to. You got. You kind of have to. I know. I mean, it's situational, right, then, though, don't you think? Training. I mean, isn't it time and score and situation? There'll be some times where you can keep him on the yeah. floor. Um, I do think you, you use Ben Simmons early in every period to me to get to the penalty, right? Because he's going to draw right. fouls. Yep. And then you can make yep. a decision based on time and score about whether you want to keep him on the floor or you want to go offense, defense in a given possession. But I think you have to, especially if Embiid is limited the rest of the series, I think you have to give the ball to Embiid down low, don't you? I mean, he's yeah. too good down there. Like, he's too creative. He's too strong. He can score at will. Like, the way he the way he closed Washington out, he can close a lot of teams out. You know what I mean? Like, he can right. dominate a lot of teams down there. And you just have to live with, to me, I just think you have to live with the occasional 6-13 from the foul line night. You know, like, what are you going to do? Like, you have to you have to score somehow. And he, I think he's their best option for scoring. If Embiid is not right. I don't know. I could be wrong. Right. I think, I think too, and this is interesting because, um, Nate McMillan said that this is the first time in his career that he's ever chosen to use that hack a player strategy at the end of the game. When yeah. he did it with Ben Simmons, he's never done that before. So he obviously sees something, with this Philadelphia matchup where he feels like it is advantageous, you know, for him to do that. 
And I and you're right, Ben is. I mean, he's unstoppable on the block. You know, he's six ten. He's posting up point guards. He can do a lot of things in the paint, except make free throws. And and Doc said this: they've got three professional foul getters on the Atlanta Hawks: Gallinari, Lou Williams, and Trey Young. Yeah. Meaning they can draw fouls. Ooh, I forgot about Lou. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so and if you notice, Nate put all three of them on the floor at the end. Yeah. So, you know, there's the foul game is going to be so interesting down the stretch to see what they do. And, and you know, just the gamesmanship of that, because how do you respond to that? And if you're rolling, if Ben Simmons is rolling and he's got, you know, 15 assists, but he's not making any of his free throws, that's a tough decision. Yeah. And I'm sure it's probably harder at home, actually, than it is on the road, because if he right. misses on the road, you know, the fans, are, they like that. So they're excited. But when he misses at home, I think it kind of, and that's any, and this is any player. It's a Giannis has the same problem. I think in Milwaukee, it just deflates the crowd. You know what I mean? Like they just mm-hmm. get so down when the guy misses a free throw. Um, yeah. It has a really tough effect. I mean, it's a tough call for me. I mean, it's not an easy yeah. call. I wonder about this stuff. I always wanted to ask you about this, your background as a coach. Are you, how do you, when you're, when you're, you know, sideline reporting a game, are you when you observe players are you observing them with your coach's eyes or with your broadcaster's eyes or is it a little of both that's a great question (laughs) um i'm I'm chuckling because you know there are two different sets of eyes because the coaching eyes sometimes will make me roll my eyes (laughs) (laughs) things that the players are doing when you're reading body language you know um I think I probably do use my coach's eyes more than I even know that I do. Yeah. Um, I was noticing, for example, last night in the Philadelphia huddles down the stretch, it was, there were lots of sub huddles. is what I call them. Yeah. Um, like obviously the team is all sitting there and doc or whoever is the coach addressing them at the time. But then when that huddle breaks, you'll see an assistant coach grab a certain player. And there might be four or five of these happening after the main huddle, but before they actually go out to play. And then Tobias Harris grabbed all the players and there was a player huddle on the floor right before they started the action. You know, there's a lot of communicating going on and, and that can be good or bad, you know, like it can be really good because I remember when I was a coach, there are certain players who you really literally have to grab and say, Hey, on this play, you're on the left block. And you're going to set the screen for so-and-so, you know, (laughs) drawing it up isn't good enough. Right. You really have to tell that guy exactly what he's supposed to do. So Sometimes you see that, but then sometimes when you see the player huddle after the huddle, you wonder, is this a, all right, let's dig deep. We got to get a stop. Let's get it. Or is it fuck that? We're not doing that play. We're doing this. That that's her player's eye right there. Right, that's right. the player's eye, Steph. That's that. We ain't listening to him. We got our own play. <laughs> you got. That's the third eye. The player's eye. <laughs> no question. So no you question. do watch that because it happens, you know, and, sure. and and it also depends on situation, personnel, you know, the relationship between the players and the coaches, and you know some of that going in, so you're looking for those things. Yeah. 
I always say I, that's my my failing failing. I don't know. I, having never played or coached at the level you played and coached at, that to me I've always like I'm missing something. What am I missing? What am I missing? Nah, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's all. She just got. I doubt it, David. <laughs> you got all that. No, 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 no. There's something about having play having been in that huddle and knowing what personalities are like. You know what people are like under under great duress. You know that mm-hmm. that you just if you haven't done it. You don't know what that's like. And as you know, you can, I can compensate for it. I'm not saying I'm helpless, but it's not the same as knowing. That's all. That's all I mean by that. And so I understand when, when someone's played or coached that, that, that they, they're seeing it from a, a different perspective than I am. And I'm always curious what that perspective is because it's different from mine. You know what I mean? That just, right. it's, it's interesting. I'm just very interested in that. So, I mean, Stephanie, there's so much to, talk about the injuries in in this series also obviously in the Brooklyn series and I just yeah. get I get a little weary about it because people want to start making excuses and I ain't never seen no title with no asterisk by it you know what I mean like right. you know yep. like no, nobody gave nobody said the Warriors title in 15 doesn't count because Kyrie Irving got hurt in game one and Kevin Love wasn't there the whole time you know what I mean yep. so yep. <laughs> I mean it counts so Having said that, with all, with all these, with, with the injuries that we know about (laughs) with these four teams, is there one team that you think kind of has more of an edge now amongst these four teams left in the East? And if you want to extrapolate to the West, please go ahead. Yeah, that's so good because, um, you know, everyone just kind of chomps. Brooklyn all the way through, right? We just like, oh, nobody can stop that. Well, I didn't. Not, okay. not DA. DA was on the Bucks early. Nope. D- now nah, I'm not going front. I was I was on the Bucks with a you know against a healthy Brooklyn team. Yeah. <laughs> I look better now that they're half you know half the team's gone. So that's funny. Well, it's it's the thing that I've said this from from the All Star game on. I've been preaching this. This year is going to be different than any other year we've ever seen because of COVID. Yeah. So we've had this kind of truncated season, but squashed and condensed, right? So we're playing less games, but they're playing all the time, you know? So that can factor into injuries. Also, if teams played longer in the bubble with the shorter off season, that can factor into injuries. And then COVID, COVID itself, you know, like, the health and safety protocols, players were missing games this season that were not testing positive, but because they had potential exposure, had to miss X number of games. So all of those things, I knew it was going to make the playoffs very interesting and unpredictable because any of those things could happen on any given day to any team. So yeah, Brooklyn is stacked, but who knows if health and safety protocols were going to come into play or an injury or both, or now in this case, two injuries, right? So you just don't know. And and I have been very hesitant to make any predictions this entire playoff because of that exact thing. Like we can all wake up tomorrow morning and hear some horrible news about another player. We, you, you just never know. Uh, but having said that, the state that we're in right now, I think that Milwaukee looks really good. And I'm really high on them because of uh, Drew Holiday. I think that he adds a whole another dimension that they needed. Um, I do like the addition of PJ Tucker, and I think Chris Middleton's evolving into a great player. I, I like them. I just don't feel comfortable with them long term. I, I, there's something about them that's just not quite right still. 
Um, and I don't know really what it is because they have great pieces. Right. Brooklyn. Well, which eye is that? Which eye is you? Oh <laughs> gosh, that's that's my coach's eye. That's yeah. my coach's eye. Yeah. The last two seasons, to be frank, I just I, I it I don't know what it is if it's lack of adjustment or uh, constant maybe riding the horse too long. You know, I don't know what it is, but it's it's not quite right. They um, get really random. But, they get really random in in tough in tight situations. Like, yeah. They don't run anything, you know what I mean? Like or whatever, yes. or what they're trying to run, they don't run very well. You know what I mean? Like, yes. and it's weird. I don't know. And part of that's on Giannis, frankly, I think, because he just, I don't know, like his insistence to take threes when he is literally shooting 17% on them. Like, why uh, are you still shooting threes? Stop it. <laughs> they're trying to prove they're legit, right? Yeah. Then you got like Middleton is like, I could be, I could be like KD. Right. And I'm just going to go one-on-one. Right. It's like, they all need to relax, I feel like. Right. Like, calm down. Com- you know, together, yeah, y'all are pretty good. But when you start going one-on-five, no, you're not good. Stop it. Just you give know? the ball to Drew. That's why he's there. He's a right. point guard. Yeah. He knows what to do. Yeah. Exactly. So you guys get, that's what I mean. You know, it's, it's just something not quite right about them. Yeah, um, you know, and Brooklyn, I don't know. Kyrie, how long is he out? How long is James yeah. out? Katie can't do it by himself. He no. is a tremendous player. Maybe the best we have right now in yeah. terms of versatility and things he can do. He can't do it alone. Not at this level. No, that, you know, we're too far in now. That ankle is two to three weeks. Look like to me. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, you know, Shoot, that yeah. ankle would have made me quit. Who? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> that's the floor. <laughs> That joker got down like a little John song, huh? <laughs> Bent over to the front. <laughs> Lord, I was like, ouch! Ouch! This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you know, Stephanie was interested. And look, I think you're one of the great basketball minds. I've been listening to you for a long time. Not that you're anything above 21. But uh, <laughs> here's what here's what I wonder what you think of this. You've got teams like Brooklyn and the Clippers who really have experience with their stars being out all year, right? <laughs> like, so they've been able to develop their bench. And we're seeing guys like Reggie Jackson, like, show up big. After You know, I guess he's not that far down the end of the bench. But Luke Kennard was, like, left for dead. And now all of a sudden he's hitting big shots. And even, you know, you got Brooklyn. Uh, they're getting to the, to, to the end of the bench. Is that actually an advantage in the playoffs? Or in the end, if you don't have your stars, you're done anyway. No, I think it's a definite advantage. I do. I mean, and you hear players like Shaq and Chuck talk about it all the time. The others, you know, they credit them for their championship ring because they are necessary. 
Um, obviously, whoever your go-to players are are extremely important, and you're not going to win without them. But when you're talking about a seven-game series at the highest level of basketball, you're going to need, from time to time, somebody else to step up big. So it's like that X factor, and that is where your bench comes into play. And that's the thing about Philly that's interesting is that Doc truly trusts his bench. It is not lip service. You know, you hear coaches all the time like, oh, you know, we're going to shorten our bench in the playoffs. We're probably going to play eight or nine just because it's, you know, it's, it's more concentrated efforts or whatever they say. And Doc doesn't believe in that. He said, listen, I, we go as deep as we want to for the regular season and the playoffs. There's no cutoff point because he trusts them, partly because he's had to play them all year. Right. So to your question, it's important when you build that up during the regular season because otherwise the coach will have no idea what you're capable of, how you respond in different circumstances, how you can exploit different matchups, where you are best suited as a player. Um, all of that plays in. And so I think it's important that your bench is deep and developed. Stephanie, he played 10 guys in the fourth quarter. <laughs> See? <laughs> that's crazy. That is crazy. I played right? at least four minutes, like in the fourth quarter. like yeah. Of a playoff game. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Of a, of a close one, too. It wasn't garbage minute. Right. You know, it right. wasn't like throwaway time. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah. so how do you, I mean, what does your experience tell you about this time of year and getting the best out of your players. Cause look, this is, this is tough stuff that they're doing right now. <laughs> you know, you get to the second mm-hmm. round of the playoffs, you get to an elite eight in college basketball. I mean, you're asking people to perform at the highest possible level under the most duress and the most exhausting of circumstances. So I know if it was easy, everybody would do it, but have you right. have there been have there been things that you see that tend to work over the long haul to get people to relax and play at their best? Yes, um, and this is something that I have always firmly believed in as a player and as a coach, and I've seen it pay dividends at the professional level. It's team chemistry. It is so mm. underrated and undervalued, and you can't quantify it. There are no stats or analysis that you can do to to measure it. Um, And I'm not saying it's absolutely necessary because we all know there are teams where guys genuinely did not like each other but still found a way to win. Right. But when you're talking about performing at the highest level, as you said, David, under duress, and now you're talking about for consecutive days, right? You're series after series after series. It is a, it's more than a physical grind. It's a mental grind because now you're facing the same opponent for potentially seven straight games. The adjustments are going to be at their peak. So if you all get along, and I'm not saying that you're having dinner at each other's houses and you're vacationing together in the off season, that would be great. (laughs) But I just mean, if you get along to the point where you respect each other, then you can get your optimal performance. Because if someone's having a bad night, the other 12 guys are going to pull him along because they love and respect him and they want him there. They're going to have his back on defense. They're not going to roll their eyes and play Ole defense and let their guy get to the cup and then point the finger at him. You know, they're going to step up and take that charge. They're going to get that deflection. Whatever it is, I, that's just my personal opinion. That's one huge factor that I think weighs into it heavily. And I also think the other part is preparation. I think the, the more prepared you are, and this is not just in basketball, this is in life. 
the more prepared you are, the more comfortable you are, and then you can relax and just perform. Stephanie, I, I really, I really wanted you here because I got to ask you about this this idea of uh, this being the time for NBA to get a women's head coach. And uh, I can't think of David. Might there anybody else be Somebody, more as experienced say, to talk who's about out this? There that might like, be who good. Could, uh, who that could, could step actually, in to that public role? And I wonder. I don't uh, know. Handle the X's and O's and the media and the scrutiny. I, hmm. So I'm, I was reading. Uh, I can't think of anybody right now. But I'll I don't know. Right. <laughs> I was reading uh, uh, my guy Kurt Streeter from the New York Times. He wrote about um, Don Staley, who is uh, along with Becky Hammond being. Uh, as you know, as interview candidates for yeah, upcoming Kara gigs. Lawson. <clears throat> of course, yeah, Kara. Yeah. So, so I was hyped, Stephanie, because Don's quote was, "I surely have the confidence. I surely can stand in front of men and lead them." And yo, I wanted to go play hoop. <laughs> I right? was like, "Let's, Don's. You can't, you, you can't tell me nothing about no Don Staley, right? I, there's no question." she can do this and women can do this. Is this the time? It, do you, how, how do you feel about it? As one who's done it before, it, it, do you feel this is real this time? I do. And I, and I like the way you phrased that. Is it real this time? That is the question, right? Because I've been asked probably for over a decade now, is this the time for them to hire a female coach? And I've always said, it's always the time. It's been the time. It's, it's, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, like, you're talking about a candidate for a position. This is not like a royal family birth where it's the next in line. This is someone who can do the job. Gender should not factor into that equation. So it's been the time. But is it real this time? Yes, I actually do think it's real this time. I think there's been a culmination of a lot of things that have happened in our society that have allowed this time to be real. Um, all of the things that we talk about, like leaning in and all of the misogyny that we've gone through and, yeah. and have been exposed, right? All the Me Too stuff that came out, how the gender inequities are everywhere, not just in title, but in pay. Like, you know, all of these things are being exposed and, and, and truly discussed to try to resolve. And this is the most important piece of the puzzle. You have people that are in a position to hire that are in the room making this decision that are women now. You right. have women senior vice presidents. You have yeah. women on the basketball operations side. Like in Boston, Allison Feaster is yeah. on the basketball operations side. Yeah. You know, you've got Swin Cash in New Orleans. So now women are in the room and they're discussing these candidates. It's real. And, and furthermore, and this is a term I've used now for a long time, the guys are aging out of the system. The old traditionalists that are sexist and don't think that women should be doing X, Y, or Z are getting old and they are leaving the building. So they're no longer in the room to influence these discussions. And you have a younger crop of people who, like my son, have grown up in a world where, duh, of course a woman can do this. Why not? This is all yeah. I've seen my whole life. Right. They don't put people in boxes anymore. You have grown men now who are in their 30s and 40s who were coached by their mom or another woman when they were growing up playing sports. You know, so it's a different world now. And so, yes, yes, I think it's real. 
Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out, birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I, I worry. I worry, Stephanie. We we see this even with black men coaches, right? Where you can you can do the let oh we interviewed this person right, right? right. and they don't get so I I, I worry I, I can't wait for this moment you, you there's nothing you can tell me to make me think Tisha Penichero can't coach or you know Teresa Witherspoon can't like I don't care what it doesn't matter you put them in front put a basketball get a court you're gonna win with them just because of who they are and how much they know so I don't even think it's a question I just hope it's not I just hope it's not one of these. We're gonna show how woke we are and and do the interview. And that that would kind of it would kind of piss me off. I would say, <laughs> like yeah, I would be, yeah, I would be upset. Now the performative nature it. of an interview, right? Right. Yeah, I agree. No, complete. Com- give me give me Diana Taurasi on a bench. That's what I want to see. I mean- <laughs> Fire. But when you you bring up Don Staley, and I'm sorry, but if she actually gets an interview, I don't know who the hell's beating her out of a job. Right. Right. The big facts. You know what I mean? like, big facts. Not just because of her resume, her excellent no knowledge, her charisma, the way she leads. Before she was at UVA, you know, all through the WNBA, USA basketball, gold medals. Now she's USA basketball coaching. I mean, national champion. I mean, it's. I, I don't know who would be more qualified than her, and I also don't know who would be a better person to lead a group of professional athletes. Right. Than her, so if she actually gets like a real interview, I I I would be I would be amazed if she didn't get the job. We, we know, know why, why she, she did, didn't, right? Right. <laughs> right. That's my point. That's my point. <laughs> well, hopefully, we get to the point where, and I'm, I've been so happy to note to to see this during the during your series, Philly Atlanta, that what there's going to be a black head coach in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I love yes. that nobody cares about that. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Like, and, I, and that didn't happen overnight. That took decades for that mm-hmm. to not matter anymore. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. um, so, but it's, somebody has to be the first, somebody has to be yep. Neil Armstrong. Right. So I mean, somebody has got to do that. Right. Um, and, and it won't be that big a deal once it's done. I'm sure the, I, mm-hmm. I think the thing will open, but somebody has to be willing to be the first. And I don't know who it is, but I, I agree with you. I do think that this is, it's, I, I think this is going to happen this time. I really do. I hadn't thought about old people aging out, but that that's a big deal. That make that does matter mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. I wonder, I wonder, uh, you know, if we're presuming it's going to happen, like, like you said, Dawn is perfect. Not, not just because of like credentials, but whoever gets it, they're going to have to handle the being first part. And I can't think of anybody else better who could, who right. could handle it. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I'm starting to think like, I mean, seriously, does she take, is it worth it for her to take the job? <laughs> I'm thinking like, I mean, she's got it pretty good. Like, she's, you know, like, I don't know. The money would have to be good. The no, money would, would have, have to be, be incredible. Good. No question. No question. Um, I'm but, just like, hey, she might not. Have, she doesn't have to take the job is the point, uh, I guess. Although, she could. although I always, as some, when I cover college sports, I never understood why people coached in college because – there's so much that you have to deal with that you don't have to deal with in the pros. What the pros is about minutes and yeah. money. That's it. Minutes and money. Yep. Give me my minutes. Give me my money. Other Everything else is, yep. you know, like, <laughs> there's nothing else. There's no tests. There's no grades. There's no payola under That's the table. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Boosters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You coaches with right. their hands out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all it is. You know, it's very simple. It's transaction oriented, man. Okay. Well, look, I'm a look. We need to let you go because you got some work to do. You got to get ready for. Is it, it game five tomorrow? Right. Yep. As we tape this, so I want you to please keep your you know keep your eyes on the road and you know I really appreciate you. <laughs> we appreciate you so much, Stephanie, and you know we love you so much. You have been just uh, great in all ways, and in, in, in all ways to, to me over the years, and, and great as a coach, great as a player. Great as a colleague, um, really, really enjoy uh, being in your orbit whenever you have the time to join us. It's it's well worth it, and I appreciate it so much. Thank you for for coming with us. I second all of that. Yep, you're a G <laughs> for you sure. Guys, you're a legend. Listen, I appreciate you guys so much. All of your continued advocacy and support and encouragement, and I love you guys. This. I will do this anytime, David, and you know that. Oh, I appreciate it, Steph. My best to everybody in the family. Stay safe, and and we'll talk to you down the road, I'm sure. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Stephanie. Oh, man. Love her. I don't know, DA. I feel like it's a setup. What's that? I don't know. I think they might parade him out for some interviews. Oh, it could be. be It could be. I mean, you know, you hate to say that, but I think – I do think – and I think it's the – there are owners, too, that are – more new school than old school. So, oh yeah, no you know person. what I mean? So from that standpoint, I could see some of the newer owners if they had a vacancy. Like, I mean, Cuban's not a new owner, but I could definitely see Cuban if for whatever reason Rick Carlisle left, and he's not going to. I'm not suggesting that. But I could definitely see Mark getting behind something like that. I mean, he's already got Jenny Busick on the staff, you know, so. Um, you already hired a professional gambler. Right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that was an interesting story, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah. Read Tim Cato's it? piece. It's interesting. You know what's interesting to me is that is that Cube Cube shot it down but linked to it. 
So you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> if the story is like, BS, why would you listen to it? Door endorsement, right? Yeah, like <laughs> that's hilarious. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> so that that is hilarious. Check check great. out Tim Cato's story, great piece with Sam Amick that they they put out uh, this week in the Athletic on on Luca and the and the issues that the Mavericks have going forward as they uh, have to deal with their star superstar point guard. Um, so, man, thank you for joining us. As always, uh, leave that uh, five-star review for us on Google, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get this podcast. And if it's anything less than five stars, you know you got to keep that to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Later. Quit being a hater. <laughs>